We're in Luke chapter 10, and we'll be uh, uh, examining uh, verses 17 through 20 today. And I uh, appreciated that hymn that we sang this morning. Uh, very much appropriate for today's lesson. Your, uh, your name's written in heaven. And uh, I think the second uh, stanza of that verse was, uh, Grace wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life there. So I appreciate that hymn. That was very, very good. So let's... Uh, <clears throat> Let's uh, kind of review a little bit about where we were. It's been a couple weeks since I was up here. So uh, in our previous lesson in Luke chapter 10, we, we had our attention drawn to, to the cities in northern Galilee area, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, that called the triangle of the gospel up there in the uh, northern Sea of Galilee area. I, I appreciate what Norm said about when he... When he was in Europe, he saw all this superstitious stuff, and and you know we in in the lesson that we had the last time, we had some a lot of pictures that I don't know if I had a chance to show them to everyone, but uh, of the icon iconology that was involved in some of the synagogues there, where they had Greek gods and various things that were built right into the they were homogenized right into the religious setting of the day. And uh, in a place that should have been just God, God the Father, <clears throat> and this area of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, it it said this is where it's written Jesus had done most of his mighty works, his healings, and his. Uh, raising people from the dead and healing lepers and those that had diseases and preaching the gospel and <clears throat> all the things that he he did there. and uh, It's also written that the Lord upbraided those those cities uh, because in, in spite of the mighty works which he had been done there, they repented not. Uh, what a, what a statement against him. And, uh, <clears throat> and the reference to those cities and their response to the gospel is given to us in in context with the Lord sending out other seventy is what it, what we found uh, in the beginning of today's uh, or the last lesson. There, He sent out the other seventy to the cities where He Himself would go, and <clears throat> and He had instructed them to go and heal the sick and to preach that the kingdom of God is nigh unto you. And and the the point that often gets overlooked was the very reason why he was there. He wasn't just there to make do good and heal people and although he did those things as a proof of who he was, he was there for the redemption of the church. He was there to die and he was had his face set like a flint to go forward and accomplish that. And so uh, as he sends them out, he gives some some last words to those 70 disciples that uh, before they departed to declare the gospel. And, and they were important words for them and to the church in all ages as well. He said in verse 16, He that heareth you heareth me. And he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. 
and it kind of goes hand in glove with what we learned about the parable of the sower and all the other things that he taught them be, before they went out. You know, your your job is to go out there and be faithful in declaring the truth of the gospel. Some of it is going to land on bad soil. It's not going to have any effect. It's not going to grow anything. Some of it is going to though land on soil that's been prepared by the Holy Spirit. And that will bear fruit. And... Uh, so they should be prepared for that result. <clears throat> and so he said, he that hears you, hears me, if you're faithful in declaring my gospel. And he that heareth you is a son of peace. We, we studied that a little bit in that lesson. Uh, elected of God, born again by the Spirit, saved by the Son of God. And, and we, we looked at First Thessalonians chapter 1, where Paul wrote that he he knew he knew the status of that group of people there in Thessalonia, uh, knowing, brother and beloved, your election of God, because our gospel came not to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Those were the three things that he looked at. He said. The gospel is effectual because of the Holy Spirit, because it came in power, not just word. It wasn't just words that were sounded out with no effect. And uh, and and the when this Holy Spirit breathes into one the breath of life, they have much assurance. They know wherein their salvation lies, not in works that they have done, but in in what Christ has done for them. And <clears throat> And then they sounded out the gospel in all the area. They 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 were like Paul. I gave you what I also received, the the gospel of how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and and they they reiterated that same thing that was given to them throughout the uh, Macedonia and Achaia and every place that they went. And so when we're true in declaring the truth of the gospel, then then those that that reject us and the word are they're rejecting God and and they may they may take issue with you and everything but they're really their issue is with God and with his word and not not really with us uh, so important to remember that and uh Paul wrote in acts he said you know I'm I'm pure from the blood of all men because I've not shunned to declare unto you uh, all the counsel of God, and we, and we find that interesting because a lot of times people are eager to hear things that are, are applied generally, but when they become specific, then then not so much. Uh, when in John chapter six, when Jesus fed the five thousand, and and then uh, he got it down to a one-on-one -on -one level, and he says, "All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me," and and him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out, and and no man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. And and a lot of those people turned and walked no more with him because they said this is a hard saying. Uh, when the rubber meets the road, then then a lot of people depart, uh, <clears throat> and and that's what we typically find uh, happens. And. So that brings us to this block of Scripture where we're at today in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. That He sent them out on their mission and 
they come back and give their report about what took place. And in verse 17, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from, from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not. All these physical things rejoice not. <clears throat> but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What a telling thing. When I read through this thing, you know, I, uh, there was a lot of things that came to my mind. They, they reported to Jesus and they said, Lord, even the, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. <laughs> they they kind of give him a little side credit there. In the, in, but it was kind of like pointing at themselves saying, we, we were something. We were out there in the field and we had power over the devils. And, you know, you know it was just uh, kind of losing track of why he was there a little bit. And, and kind of uh, the pride kind of reared its ugly head a little bit there. And, and <clears throat> so <clears throat> as we look at these few verses here, it's always important to note that the things that are written are written <clears throat> for the admonition of the church. I think Mike brought that up in a couple of his uh, lessons there. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10.11 says, Now these things happen to them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. <clears throat> and uh, he wrote that to the Corinthians there and, and regarding <clears throat> excuse me, those in the wilderness that following the exodus from Egypt. That's what the context that he was talking about. Those things that happened to them were for examples to us, but that's, that is applicable here as well. <clears throat> the instructions to them from Christ as they departed was to heal the sick and to declare that the kingdom of God is, is come nigh unto you. He's, I, I am here. I am among you. And, and, and again, the, the focus should be why he was there. What was his purpose in being there? It wasn't just to go around and heal people that had uh, defective gallbladders and whatnot. <laughs> he was he was there. He did those things to prove who he was, but but the purpose of him there was for the redemption of the church and and that was the sole purpose in him coming and dwelling among men. He shall he shall save his people from their sins. And <clears throat> so uh, here the object, though, is not so much the powers that were... He lists off a bunch of things that he granted them power to do. You know, you can tread on serpents, you you can heal, you can uh, handle scorpions and whatnot, and nothing, nothing's going to hurt you. <clears throat> uh, but the object was not so much to focus on the powers granted to them as where and whom the the power came from and by whom it was made effectual. Uh, they said, in thy name we've done these things, but, but 
really, they were rejoicing in that they had done those things. And, and he saw through that and kind of uh, gave them, put them on a higher plane, as it were. You know, whenever the Lord speaks, he's, he's always looking at things from a higher plane, from a spiritual higher plane that has the eternal view uh, in, in, this, in the context of what he's doing. And <clears throat> so he says, I recognize that you did all that, but here's what, here's what you should be thinking about. And, and it's so much deeper. Just, this, just a few words that he says, rejoice not in, notwithstanding, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What a, there's a lot to unpack in just that one sentence there, and, and, and we'll look at that a little bit here. <clears throat> so, but they had kind of got off the main issue uh, that they were tasked with, which was preaching the kingdom of God being nigh and, and Christ coming among. He was right there with them, coming on his way to Jerusalem to you know, offer his life a ransom for many, it says. And <clears throat> the miracle of the Lord coming to die in the place of the guilty was was kind of got buried in the pride of power over devils, which were already in subjection uh, to the Lord God Almighty, and, and without whom they would have no power at all. Uh, uh, again, Paul wrote in Romans, he said, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that is the power of God unto salvation. Not, <clears throat> not kicking out devils, not healing people's leprosy or all those things that were emblematic or allegorical or the demonstrating of his power. <clears throat> it was the gospel. God chose by the foolishness of preaching the gospel to, to save them that believe. <clears throat> says I need to unmute here. So, It's like a silent movie, I guess. <laughs> <clears throat> You know they kind of had a they kind of had a high opinion and satisfaction in what they had they had done and and you know that's something that the reason that's written is because that's we with our nature that's just how we are oh well, look what I did and uh, you know Paul wrote to uh, Timothy he said when he was kind of talking about some requirements to be a, a pastor and he said they shouldn't be a novice lest being lifted up with pride they, they fall into the condemnation of the devil and that's wasn't that the downfall of the devil pride I'm I'm equal with God I'm as good as God I I I I I, I that I I this thing that we often talk about and and that's just nothing but pride if boy if you want to look up something interesting just look up that word pride in your concordance and there's a lot written about that. And you know what? There is not one good thing. <laughs> it's all bad. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. There's just nothing good written about pride because it focuses on us and not on Christ. 
And so again, here the focus was, was not really on... I, I thought this was very interesting. <clears throat> they didn't come back and say, Lord, we declared the gospel in 12 cities and there was like 16 people that believed. They didn't say, who has believed our report? They said, wow, look what we did. We kicked out a bunch of demons <laughs> out of people. <laughs> that, but again, it's the <clears throat> the gospel. That's the power of God unto salvation. And <clears throat> the admonition for the church here, the, the thing that edifies the church that causes us to grow and learn in Christ is, is to always keep our eye and our heart on Christ and be faithful in declaring the truth of the gospel and not get mired down in things that ultimately have no value, no no eternal consequence. And, uh, you know, those people that he, uh, that he might have healed, those that had leprosy, physically they were still going to die. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the effect of the physical things were limited in scope and, and duration. The thing that had the lasting effectual consequence was the gospel. That had eternal effectual consequence. <clears throat> and, and that's what's important. Uh, and remember that Christ said in John 15, 5, he says, without me, you can do nothing. And they here they were kind of wrapped up in the devil. The devils were subject to unto us. And he said, without me, you can do nothing. And Paul wrote, in Romans, concerning a kind of a similar warning, uh, and he said that it was better to be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning evil. Uh, what's good and simple is the, the truth of the gospel. And that's the only thing that really has any power or consequence over over evil things. He said in Romans sixteen nineteen. And 20 says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men, and I'm glad therefore on your behalf. But yet, <clears throat> I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace, that be Jesus, shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. It's He's taken care of that issue. And uh, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that today because it's just a, a given but uh, again, in response to their elation over this this power that they were given, he speaks to them from this higher spiritual, eternal viewpoint and moves their focus to that which is really of value. They said, we were, we were kicking out demons. He says, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I'd taken care of that. That is a done deal. That is over. Uh, that's a nothing. And a short, simple statement, which yet displayed such immense evidence of power. I took care of that. And victory, which was already accomplished. The essence of this gospel of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world is plainly declared in again in, in Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 2 uh, in verse 10 it said for it became him for whom 
are all things and by whom all are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Boy, that's a that kinship there is so important. <clears throat> Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. So <clears throat> he's telling them, I've taken care of Satan. Rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven, that you're my kin, you're my brethren, and I'm going to declare this unto you. And he said in verse 14 there, in the close of Hebrews chapter 2 that we just read, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He just took care of that issue and and we didn't have to worry about that anymore. So this brings our attention to the closing verse of our text today in verse 19 and 20, and we'll read those now of Luke chapter 10. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What a, what a thing. Here's Focus on that. Rejoice in that. Think about that. The, the church is not really to get tangled up in, in issues of pride, but to be thankful for the fact of eternal electing love by which God wrote the names of all those children that we read about in Hebrews that, that he calls his brethren. Uh, he wrote the names of all those children that God had given Christ in the covenant of grace and wrote their names in the Lamb's book of life. And he said, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven, written written from eternity. And, you know, we... we we look at some verses that tell us uh, when that happened. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. He elected you not because of anything you did or he foreseen that we, you would do, as it tells us in Romans, that children not being yet born, having done neither any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. It was just according to his love and his purpose that he chose you. And and you know, we don't we don't find that out till we don't go around taking a poll, say, uh, are are you an are you the elect? We preach the gospel and then we look for the evidence of it like Paul did in Thessalonians, that the gospel came to them in power and in the Holy Spirit and it was effectual and and now they, they love God and they see the effects of sin for what they really are. And so uh, rejoice because your names were written in heaven from before the foundation of the world. And you're to go out and preach that and leave the results up to, to the Holy Spirit. Now, 
this business of names written, you know, it's really nothing new. Again, it's just rooted in the Old Testament. <clears throat> it was it was knowledge that the people of God were given from the beginning of time. You know, Moses in in chapter thirty two, Moses was decrying the sins of the people, and he was he was approaching God on their behalf. You know, much like Paul did in in when he said. Would God that I could be a curse for Israel, my brethren's sake. If I could offer myself as a curse that they might be saved, he said, I would gladly do that. He couldn't do that. But Moses said pretty much the same thing in chapter 32 of Exodus. He said, you know, if you can't, he said, blot my name out of your book of life if it would redeem these people if it would save these people <clears throat> and you know what that all those died in the wilderness except just a couple so uh, <clears throat> their names weren't written <clears throat> but Moses knew that his name was recorded in the Lamb's book of life that was revealed to him <clears throat> and <clears throat> you know we talk about this name, names being written, you know what the name is? It's the Lord, our righteousness. <laughs> that's the name. That's the name for the Lord's people. Uh, that's why he was there. <clears throat> In Revelation chapter 2, let's turn over. We'll look at a couple of verses in Revelation regarding this names. And it all focuses on Christ. Because that's where it should be. In Revelation <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 17, it says, He that hath an ear, he that's been given an ear to hear the gospel, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, and we know that it tells us that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, the spiritual food that we feed on. And I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And that name is the Lord, our righteousness. <laughs> we, uh, he, is, he is my righteousness. Then over in chapter 3, verse 12, To him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. What does it say in Jeremiah? The name of our God is the Lord, our righteousness. The same name as the church. The same, they're the same. <clears throat> I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. That, that word new name is uh, the what we might find also recorded in the 2 Corinthians chapter 
5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And, and that means a new building, a new formation. They become new in Christ. They become a new, they're not what they were. And they have this new name. The Lord, their name is the Lord our righteousness. And so again, we find in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Our names were entered in the Lamb's book of life for and it recorded those for whom he would die. He would lay down his life a ransom for them. He says, there's no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends. And, and that's what he calls us. By the, the, the Spirit of Christ, John recorded the Lord stating emphatically that all the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out then we go back to Daniel chapter 12 and and he wrote at that time thy people shall be delivered every one that shall be found written in the book. So we have evidence that they had knowledge of being written in the Lamb's book of life in Exodus and in, again in Daniel. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4 I entreat thee also true yoke fellow Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, But you are come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the first born which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. They, and they, that occurs by the shed blood of our Savior who died in their place as a substitute. And to Jesus, that mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Written, your name's written in heaven. It's just, it's just so much to it. There's so much there that speaks to electing love before the foundation of the world to your name being written to the, the covenant of grace where the 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 Lord's Christ agreed to lay down his life to redeem them that were given him <clears throat> and it, the point to the church then is to always keep in mind that the children of God whom he gave to the son to redeem whose names are written in heaven will all be called by the preaching of the gospel of his dear son. That's the way the Lord chose to do it. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And and it's recorded again in Ephesians that we believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Ephesians uh, 1.19.20 So rejoice that your names are written in heaven and be free in that. Amen. Not get tangled up in things of pride and things that have, are of no value. So we'll stop there. <clears throat> we're, we're out of time for the day. So we'll stop there and pick up again in Luke chapter 10 next time, Lord willing. And again, thanks to those that uh, 
covered for me while I was uh, in the hospital and everything. So.